Welcome to another segment of Market Overdrive in our new home at WGN's Radio, which is, what does WGN stand for, Nick? We good now. We are good now. We great now. We got to change it up every week. <laughs> we have to change, change yeah. it. Let's, let's come up with something fresh. We can go let's with we great that. now, but we we're can go now. with- uh, I will, let's just stay to that. Anyway. We're world, now? World's greatest news. World's greatest. <laughs> there it is. I think that's what it stands I'm for. I'm going to trademark that. It's a great day in the Market Overdrive studios because there's so much going on, uh, a lot of uh, energy in the streets. We have President Obama visiting our metro city that is Chicago. We're very excited. He said, uh, we, bye. He said bye-bye last night. He said bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> in the studio with us is Javier Garcia. How are you, Javi? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. The year's starting off well. Um, you know, just uh, the president's speech yesterday was very inspiring and everything else in regards to moving in the right direction. I think it kind of opens up a segment for us to kind of do a little bit of what we're kind of forecasting as what the year is going to look like in real estate. Um, here from DePaul University, we have Charlie coming in uh, to assist us with him, giving us his insights on regards to what he sees in real estate market trends and something that we could possibly uh, foresee in the foreseen future. Exactly. That's what Market Overdrive is all about, is to elevate your real estate IQ and let you know what is trending in the market. So definitely today to chat about economics, real estate markets, where it's going. We sequester a professor from DePaul University to come in and lecture us. I know. I, 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 I'm a flunk out type person. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I specifically put my glasses on today because I wanted to at least I knew appear was like I'm as smart as Charles. <laughs> Charles, we've had you on the show before. I think it was about a year ago. That's uh, correct. Very popular guest. I know that we got a lot of great feedback from your outlook, um, and it's always good to have somebody of your caliber on Market Overdrive. It helps us make it makes us look smarter, which we greatly appreciate. That's going to be well, really hard to do, uh, but Charles, for sure I, the information. I don't smarter. unlike unlike Carla. I don't like to butcher our guest's last name. <laughs> So I'm going to let you Notice how I didn't say, say your it. last name the correct way so that I could do it again. Wurtzbach. Wurtzbach. Yes. Wurtzbach. Charles Wurtzbach. We're all taking notes. Everybody take notes. Hashtag Mr. Wurtzbach. The world of Wurtzbach is what we are going to be doing today here at Market Overdrive. And you are, uh, give us a little bit of background. You are a professor at the DePaul University. University. DePaul. Okay. Yep. I'm the chairman of the real estate department uh, at DePaul, and we have both undergraduate and MBA and master's degrees uh, with majors, uh, concentrations in real estate. Okay, so you know something about real estate. Clearly. Yes. A little bit more than we do, probably. For sure. Um, well, do we just dive right into it? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do get it. into the thick of it. No, no reason to uh, poke around and do too many intros. We obviously know who Carla Mini is. We know who I am, uh, Javier. You're a normal guest on the show. So um, with that being said, 2017, there's a lot of people, a lot of different opinions about what's coming up here. Um, you know, we're obviously uh, closing the door on one presidency, starting the door on a new one. Um, I'm going to let you just, like, in your own words, tell us what you think about the economic outlook specifically tied to real estate for 2017. Great. I'll be happy to do that. I think the, the, the starting point has to be in 10 days we have a new president. Uh, we don't really know exactly what all of his policies are going to be in terms of how it's going to affect the market. Although, frankly, the expectation is uh, that he's going to, uh, you know, sort of be uh, anti-regulation or pro-deregulation. And I think that, you know, ultimately that'll have some uh, positive impacts on the uh, real estate market uh, relative to single-family dwellings and condominium ownership, for example. Uh, one of the things that has been discussed uh, for a number of years 
uh, in Washington relative to the IRS laws is to limit the interest deduction uh, on your 1040 for homeowners. Uh, and so you wouldn't think that they would go in that direction, that the, the new administration would go in that direction. So that would be an example where we might see a little bit of a change in the, uh, you know, in the attitude. So we, we, we do have some uncertainty associated with the president-elect and how that administration is going to behave. Uh, so we'll just have to watch that and see how things happen. Uh, secondarily, but just as important, uh, the, the policies of the Federal Reserve. As everyone's well aware, the Fed raised uh, interest rates in December by a quarter basis point for the first time in 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, it was expected. It was kind of priced into the market. But, you know, as we had talked, Nick, there was a jump, and there has been a jump in the mortgage interest rates. Sure. Uh, there also is the expectation, depending on who you talk to, uh, that there will be two or three additional increases in interest rates in 2017. Obviously, that has an impact on both buyers and sellers, which we can talk about how that works. But, you know, basically, I would say let's remember that uh, the level of interest rates for mortgages is still at a very low historical level. So we're not in some kind of difficulty where the market's going to come to a, a crushing halt because of it. We're not in panic interest. mode is what you're saying. No, not at all. I don't think we're in panic mode at all relative to interest rates. I think you need to be mindful of it. Sure. You know, if you're in the market looking to uh, be a first-time home uh, homeowner or uh, moving up, <clears throat> you need to be aware of the fact that uh, interest rates are going to be likely uh, uh, more than likely going up as opposed to going down. Well, of all the things you just said, the one thing that I do know for sure about the new presidency uh, President Trump is he's got a very mean Twitter game. I mean, this guy can tweet like nobody else. And I think that's more about I'm the, surprised that he's I'm, still the marketing aspect of. I'm very envious to his Twitter game. I mean, I have I barely got ten thousand followers, but this guy he 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 brings it to a whole nother level. He's so I'm changing miss an economy. Him. He's bullying other nations just through his Twitter account. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna get into we're a not, political side here, Carla. We're not gonna we're get into gonna, the politicals, but it's the aspect of social media and marketing, it's, right? It's, I think. Um, I think that, you know, Charles hit it on the head. He's a, at the end of the day, he's a Republican president, okay? And Republicans typically believe in less regulation, less government oversight, more of a free market uh, uh, viewpoint. Uh, so I think that the housing industry should see some flexibility when it comes to hopefully some deregulation. I know it's clear that Wall Street likes him so far. There's no argument there. You know, on November 8th, we... Javier can attest to this. We saw the worst rate spike we've seen in quite some time. Right. You know, the going 30-year fix was somewhere in the high threes, and it was like overnight we went into the low fours. Uh, so, I mean, to move like literally, I think it might have been a half a point. It's almost a half a point. About a half a point overnight means that, uh, you know, the, the stock market really appreciated him, which is weird because if you were watching the elections as they were going on, the overnight was like down 700 or down 800. Uh, the Dow was negative 800 during the election. Right. And then come morning, it's like nothing happened. Confidence. 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 So Wall Street likes this guy. They do, and they respect him, which is, uh, I don't know if it's fear or respect, uh, but it's playing a good game. But when it comes to the housing market, how that affects us, I mean, uh, I know for you who are looking to buy or are currently in the buying game, and just basically some people are getting kicked out because the rates increase have definitely affected them. So you have to be very careful when you're shopping, um, especially because I know that a lot of people don't understand how this works. When you're under contract, 
it doesn't mean, well, your rate is locked only once you're under contract, not while you're shopping. So while you're shopping, you're wasting time and you're playing with this volatile market that you say we're expecting two to three increases in 2017. So be wary, right? If you're already, if you already know you're going to buy, lock it down, put it under contract, but also uh, time is of the essence, but then what is it going to do to people who are like, I need to shop. There's no inventory. Does that mean that now I have to pay a premium? Well, I got an opinion on inventory. Personally, I'll, I'll probably want to jump into uh, that, the second segment, which is coming up here in a few minutes before we go, after we come back from break. But um, I think the main thing that I think a lot of people of are just forgetting is that with this new administration, I just feel like it's just a very capitalist mindset. That you have. Definitely. So that consumer confidence that you have is just because you know, like, what's the main thing that Trump has been saying? You know, how to be able to increase jobs, you know, here in America, bringing a little bit more of that labor force back to America. So I think there is some kind of confidence that the man is, you know, he got into office because of his marketing tactics, right? He, so he did a direct all out assault on the Dodd Frank Act, which has affected our industry significantly. For those of you that don't know the Dodd Frank Act, it has been uh, some new rules that are in place to protect consumers. However, it has made it much harder for us to uh, manipulate, or I should not, don't want to use the word manipulate, for us to maneuver in the mortgage industry. The Dodd-Frank Act has literally affected price rates at times. Um, you know, it's good, but it also hurts. So he's gone on record saying that's one of his top things he wants to take care of. Another thing he's made a, a very clear comment is, about the CFPB, he doesn't like the way it currently functions. You know, I don't have enough info, and I don't want to go off on the re- go on the record of saying something that's incorrect. But I know he does want to investigate the current functionality of CFPB and how it's run and what how far they can reach. Now, for those of you that don't know who the CFPB is, it's the Consumer. I'm going to say it wrong. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. These people essentially help regulate uh, the safety of Consumers, long and short of it, right. you know, and they make sure that uh, the bad players aren't getting out of hand and they uh, hold everybody accountable. However, it's a little scary because this is an institution that has nobody overseeing it. They're, in my opinion, more powerful than the president himself. There is nobody that can really uh, hold the CFPB accountable, right? you know, which is fine that they're overseeing. And, and we do need some more regulation in light of the crash that happened in 2007 or eight. Um, but to have one sheriff that doesn't have to answer to anybody is kind of scary. So what Trump's going to do with the CFPB and the Dodd-Frank Act will definitely have an impact on, correct me if I'm wrong, Charles, if he does anything, if he lives up to his promise, it will have an impact on the overall housing market. Yeah, I think there's no question about it. I, I think that going back to a point that you made, we should also remember that both the House and the Senate is controlled by the Republicans. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how the right. president interacts with uh, the Senate and the House, and how well they get along or not. Or not. And that's something that we don't know. Uh, the comment relative to, you know, his his uh, use of Twitter, uh, it remains to be seen if that's going to be under control or go away. My view is he's going to be very, very unconventional. Uh, he's going to pick his spots and his arguments, uh, et cetera. Uh, for example, this past week, uh, both Macy's and Sears came out and announced the closing each of over 100 stores, laying off something like 10,000 people throughout the United States. 
It's kind of interesting that uh, President-elect Trump did not come out and take credit for that job-related uh, decision yeah. when he took credit for the carrier yeah. uh, example. So it, very, very uh, clear in terms of using marketing and picking his spots. So it'll be interesting to see how he behaves as the president. Well, we can't take away his Twitter account because then we're taking away the person that everybody essentially voted for. There's a certain personality that half the country did vote for. Right? I don't expect he's going to so stop. Are they going to regulate <laughs> yeah. it? Is it good for national security? I don't know. Does he need a filter? He Probably does. needs a Twitter filter. But when we come back, I want to discuss, you know, let's break this down in segments where if you're a seller or you should be selling, when we come back, we'll discuss is it time to sell? Your opinion on that. Obviously, we'll have another segment about is it your time to buy. Um, you listen to Market Overdrive. You can listen to us live on marketoverdrive.com. Or, of course, right here on Facebook Live. And we will be back in a few minutes with our guest, Mr. Charles. Say it again. Wurzbach. Wurzbach. From DePaul University. We'll be back in a few minutes. Thanks. our second segment of Market Overdrive here in the WGN studios. Great day today. It's great time for a timely topic um, because remember Market Overdrive is live Wednesdays at 10 a.m. via www.marketoverdrive.com and of course on our social media outlets. Um, But it's very timely for us to discuss market trends and news. What is newsworthy right now is presidency changes 2017 economic market outlook. How is it all affecting us and affecting you as a buyer or seller or someone who's looking to lease? Um, Earlier, we just did an overall summary as to what's taking place in the market. But we want to go back and kind of break it down for you. Um, how How does it affect you if you're looking to sell your property in this first quarter market? Let's get that over to our, let's get that over to our guest today. Charles, what's your opinion on that? Well, I think selling today. Yeah, I think that it, uh, you know, I, it, it, Part of it re- relates to when you bought mm-hmm. uh, and what your expectations are for the market going forward. Uh, my personal view is as we look at the sort of the market trend, we're, we're basically in the seventh inning if it's a nine-inning game. Not that at the end of the ninth inning there's going to be a market crash, but that the increases in values that we experienced in the first few innings, uh, the rate of increase has slowed. Uh, so to a certain extent, that kind of a situation leads you to believe that it's not a bad time to take some uh, chips off the table, so mm-hmm. to speak, because your going forward rate of return uh, probably isn't going to be as high as it had been in the past. However, you have to keep in mind that, you know, what are you going to do with that money? Uh, are you going to reinvest that money in real estate? Are you going to reinvest it somewhere else? Or are you going to upgrade and go to a uh, you know a larger unit and increase, if you will, your consumption of real estate? I'm selling the farm, personally. <laughs> Everything I possibly, with the exception of the house I'm living in, and I'm speaking from my own personal portfolio properties, if you will, my own game plan. You're liquidating your portfolio. I want nothing Why? left right now. Why? Well, because... I, you know, and again, somebody else might have a different situation in life, but I did most of my picking up of properties from 2012, uh, 11 till 14. Okay. And I feel that, like you just said, the greatest appreciation that we've had over the last 10 years has come in um, post crash, has come between 2013, 14, 15, and whatever happened in 16. Okay. And I think. I don't have it off the top of my head, but 15 and 16 were like double-digit appreciation numbers. 
I don't have confidence personally that we're going to have double-digit numbers in 17. I think we will go up in value. There will be appreciation. There's definitely reasons to buy if you're a homeowner that's going to live in there, significant reasons. I mean, we did a whole show last week about the net worth of the average homeowner versus the net worth of the average renter. Um, but I just don't see the risk and reward anymore. I've, I think that it's the top part of the market for me. And, and yeah, I might be able to get an extra few points next year in 17 and another 5% I could have kept on to. But it's, I guess I'm urging sellers to sell if you're an investor. And I'm urging uh, people to just be, to take it slow and analyze it. And of course, align yourself with an expert that understands your big picture idea. Everybody's case is not like Nick d- didn't acquire no, exactly. their assets in 2012, 2013. Um, a- or 2010 was kind of one of that time when pricing was at its, at, at its lowest. Right. Um, but people didn't have enough consumer, uh, confidence at that point to, to make those purchases and make those acquisitions. But it depends on where you are, right? If you're a conventional um, seller who, um, like you said, professors, people need to um, reinvest or maybe they need to upgrade. You can't control lifestyle, right? So if you're a family who's lived in a condo and now you are, you the space is too small because now you have a larger size in family, your household has increased in size, then you have to do it. What I'm saying is, is it's plain economics, right? Interest rates go up, but then value has to come down because there's got to be some sort of affordability index um, where... You know, and of course the appraisal, because there's always checks and balances when it comes to real estate. Your lender is not going to overpay for a product, even though you want it. You can pay a premium, but your lender is not going to secure or finance that asset. So, I think my recommendation to you is to align yourself with an expert, work with the realtor that understands your big picture scenario, and if you do have to liquidate a portfolio of investment, do it. But be cognizant of the fact that you know there's times in the market, specifically to your individual neighborhoods, where you can get your highest yield. Yeah, I would say do the cash flow analysis. Um, just because I always say there's always going to be two types of investments. You're going to make an investment where you're looking to do some form of a flip or some form of a profit sometime in the foreseeable three to five year span. Right. And then you have something which is going to be your cash cow, right? So you have something that's going to be residual income. So in a lot of cases, is you got to find out what kind of investor you are because in certain cases, you might not be a good landlord, so it's not good for you to have that residual type of cash flow property. There's been people who can buy, you know, there's four units, six unit properties that have significant cash flow. Right. But if they don't have a clue of how to manage property or don't want to pay that additional tax, which is hiring a property manager to manage that home, that could be something where it might not be in the cards for you to keep that property. You might as well sell it. Um, something that I've seen as well, too, with my real estate agents in specific. I have a lot of buyers right now who are interested in two, three, four unit properties. Those properties are very scarce, right? right? So and expensive. And expensive. Yeah. So if I am an owner of a two unit or a three unit, I might want to hold on to that property because that kind of property type right now in the Chicagoland area, it's becoming scarce, and it's not something that is you know heavily in new construction. Not a lot of people are building a lot of three- and four-unit properties these right. days, right? It's so all condo. That might be something where you might want to leverage and actually take a look at the level of appreciation on that property. And the one thing that has been solid with rent, rent does not go down. Right. 
That's so, something that has just consistently been going up and up and up. So again, speak That's to an expert because garbage I mean, though. What do you mean? You know rent won't stop going down. That's it's insane. Well, rent's not going to go down specifically because we're it's looking at two mark. We're looking at the millennial market. Um, we just had a scenario where one of the parents would be, had to, to be co-sign for, for the millennial to be able to afford the specific product or this specific purchase. So again, look at align yourself. Look at it from an individual micro my world type of scenario. Talk to a realtor, a lender that's going to understand. You know, and your accountant. You know, like Professor Charles said, um, are you going to reinvest it? You know, ten thirty one exchange. You have to become familiar with these topics. And understand that it's a great time now, first quarter, if you're flipping, right, to bring it back on the market because it's prime time for real estate, single families, hot commodity, condos, sales all the time. And then the two-flat category is great. But if we're looking at a, you know, very metro city, what are we dealing with? A lot of condos. And so, sure. you know, there's still that mobility aspect. We're still selling housing. And so I think that housing overall, I feel very optimistic about where it's heading. I am not too concerned about the interest rates, but I do want to advise you that if you're looking to buy or sell in 2017, um, you have to understand the markets because if you're buying and you have a very specific creative budget, as I like to call it, a creative, a creative, creative budget. budget. A creative okay. budget is where it's like a box of crayons. <laughs> you can afford in the neighborhood. It's like when you of your see a choice. listing and it says TLC. It's like oh. <laughs> no, a creative. Are you complaining about realtors and how we like to fluff hey, every day, <laughs> every day? No, a creative budget is one which you know you're you want to buy in this uh, zip code because of uh, location, location. Whereas because of schools school matters or is it because close proximity to your public transportation or your employer um, if you have to be in those areas then you have to understand that you have to understand your budget because a hike like as little as the one we just seen in December it's gonna take a lot of people out of the game well, yeah right I would say Char- for every half point you're probably looking at about ten thousand dollars in a reduction in what your property search may have been Charles I've read stuff in the past, and maybe you've read some of it too, that one of the reasons for the inventory crisis that we had over the last few years, it was like everybody wanted to buy, there wasn't enough to sell, okay? There was even the greatest story I ever heard where there was like a four-mile-long stopping traffic situation going on in Boston because of the one house that had an open open house, and they literally had to stop it because it was messing up traffic flow. That's how many people showed up to this one open house. So you have these stories... And then you listen to this data, and there's a lot of sellers over the last several years that were saying, it's not time yet because I haven't really gotten what I want out of my equity position. Or, you know, I barely got out of being underwater from the crash of 08, 09. It's not time yet. So, you know, in 14, we were urging people to get out there and list the property. Didn't really happen. In 15, we were getting out there to list properties. Still not time yet. In 16, still not time yet. Is it a dangerous time? I don't think if it's you're getting a, greedy, yeah, I, and not I, selling. I don't think it's a dangerous time. I I, I think that uh, <clears throat> when you look at the the rent uh, rental market, uh, the, the notion that you know rent isn't going to drop is really not accurate. I've experienced so. we've experienced uh, declines in rents be- before in, in other markets, and, and it happens. We're seeing right now a slowdown in the rate of increase in rents in multifamily. Pretty universal around the United States. There's areas where that's not true, but it has slowed some. The rental increases have slowed some. And that usually is, uh, you know, an indication that you're starting to get up to a level where the, <clears throat> the, the amount of rent relative to the income of the, of, of the uh, renters yes, uh, is uh, becoming less attractive. Uh, and, it is so confusing to me. I can't wrap my brain around it. Well, like, landlords are competing against buyers. 
Right. Because if you can buy a place that's, if you're renting a place that costs you, let's say, $3,000 a month, but if you just bought it, it's 2600 that's what a landlord has to compete with. Exactly. And the market does work that way. I mean, sure. there's no question about it. And I think that, you know, we have to remember that when we went into the, uh, the crash in 07, 08, uh, one of the biggest factors was is that the market value of, uh, in, in this case, single-family dwellings, was continually rising faster than the rate of growth of household income. And okay. that just won't sustain itself. And essentially what happened, there was a separation between the rate of growth in household income and prices, and prices dropped. Uh, and, you know, that you, you have to be aware of that kind of, uh, you know, relationship in the, in the rental market, and it affects both owner-occupied and, and the rental market. So a quick wrap-up on this particular segment before we go to break. I was just going to say we're all going to be you sell? at some point. <laughs> should you consider selling right now, or should you not? Well, I think you should consider it. I mean, I think it's a good time, you know, it's a good time to sell. I wouldn't rush into it. I wouldn't say that, you know, if I don't sell in six oh, months, on, I miss the market. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't think that I don't I don't think that it's a crisis, you know, no, at time all. to sell by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that it's a good time. Nick likes to add the drama to it. It's timing. I'm it's first selling quarter. it all. I'm going to sell you if I can right now. <laughs> so you can. I'm selling everything right now just because I don't think there's much more benefit growth? in waiting. I mean, Real I just estate don't is think. Appreciating commodity. What did I say? Asset appreciate over time. Get over it. It will over time. But Wait, I'm saying if you want to hit your peak, it's all about market time. It's timing. Per- timing is first everything. First quarter is the best time to put a property on the market. If timing that's what you're everything. asking. Timing is everything. But. We're going to have to go to a break here. When we come back, we're going to actually get into the other side of this game. Is it the right time to buy? Should you hurry up and buy or wait? Let's figure it out. You listen to Market (laughs) Overdrive. You follow us on Facebook Live where we are streaming today or, of course, go to our website, marketoverdrive.com. And at the end of the day, if you missed this show for whatever reason and you weren't paying attention or you just were crazy (laughs) missing it, you can log on to our website or our YouTube channel and download this thing. We'll be parked up there sooner or later, as well as subscribe to we our scripting WGN podcast. Wow, this is a long closeout, it right? Is such a long closeout. We'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you very much. <laughs> our third segment of Market Overdrive at the WGN Studios. With me this afternoon is Professor Charles. Hi, Charles. Professor Hi. Charles. I, he he and I have a thing. Yeah. Hi, Charles. Um, it's my British accent. I need, okay. to, I, I need to make it a little comical because you've been so serious about the market and telling everybody they need to liquidate their assets. Sell, 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 sell. Hey, Wurzbach. buyers want that property, so Charles, yeah, sell. Charles Wurzbach. I said it right. Back. That's correct. You're right. just excited that you said it correctly. Anyway, 2017 market outlook. Everyone is looking to us and asking the same questions. Do I sell? Do I buy? Interest rates, there was a hike, and it seriously kicked a lot of people out of the out of the market, especially you millennials who have a very creative budget. We coined that word. Copyright. No, you've coined that I have a t-shirt that thing, says that. whatever you call that, creative, creative budget. Mar- creative budget, um, right? Because you're talking about $10,000 in decrease in budget. That means... Um, right, less assessments. It means less taxes, and I mean, everyone's talking about less taxes. Well, it means less at, buying power. It's really less buying where, power. Where but at. I mean, ten thousand dollars in buying power, it it limits you know what kind of a building with amenities you're going to get. But this goes back to why I said it was time to sell. But if rates are going about, up, it's going to affect the buying power of the consumer, which is going to affect the selling price of the seller. 
But if you hold an asset over time, it appre appreciates, right? So if we're looking at some neighborhoods, it's, it's very specific to the neighborhood. I mean, we're looking, we, there's neighborhoods that have had 12% appreciation, whereas some only three, and then there's some that have five. Like, I know we don't want to get specific in Chicago, but it, I, it happens all over the country. Any metro area has pockets and neighborhoods right. and boroughs and up and coming and gentrifications and. So there's some neighborhoods that may not have already areas. appreciated, but I mean, if you appreciate it because you acquired it 2012, 2013, great for you, Nick. The world doesn't revolve around you. I didn't say it did. I'm just saying that if you're looking at a situation where you've been debating, for whatever reason, over the last several years, when to do it, that this might be the time you need to pull the trigger finally. That's all I'm saying. And mama, some is people are in the long game of real down. estate. Some people are in the long game. They bought a three unit, they want it to be paid off, and when they're sixty, they want to have a pure net profit of cash flow coming in. One hundred. I respect guaranteed. that. I'm not telling those people to go sell. Okay, right. Those are not the right people right. to sell right now. I'm saying that everything I bought was for this moment of when the market will hit a very nice appreciation level that I can get all my money back out because most of these properties I bought very cheap. And what are you going to do? You're going to reinvest or you're just going to... There's always a deal ready in real estate. Whether it's a great market, a bad market, it's like stock. Everyone says, oh, the market's horrible. Don't get in. There's always no. a deal to be made. There's always a deal okay, to be made. So There's people correct, that made tons of money during the crash. Let's correct your advice then. So if if you're able to get you know liquidate some of your portfolio... Mm-hmm then do that now because it's a really nice prime time for to get rid of it. But if you're in the long-term you know, plan, then hold on to it. Don't liquidate everything, right? Because you're, you're, you're talking about an investor. Like what about that young family that needs to sell their condo to move into a house? Mm-hmm. Is it the right time to do it now? Your life takes precedence over every nickel and penny at some point. Right. You need to lay your head down. You got kids planning school, uh, schools and a lot more things than just the dollars and cents. So when we're, t- I'm not talking from a homeowner's perspective. No, you're not. I'm literally in the process of redoing and building my own house right now, and I don't plan on moving. Okay. So I'm not going to get that. I'm not looking at that as a purely an economical decision. I was talking more from those that have been debating: is it time to sell or not? Because I'm trying to Investment extract properties. every dollar out of the equity of my house. This might be that moment. Right, so interest rates have gone up, you know, and it's um, is going to limit the number of buyers that we have. So our buyer pool is going to be a little bit smaller. Um, but you're going to have buyers who can afford it, and our I don't think the buyer pool is going to get smaller. I don't think the buyer pool is going to shrink. I definitely think it's going to take I mean, absolutely we, not. not. Let's ask the buyer. Someone, let's ask our professor here, who knows more than you do. <laughs> Charles, what do you think? Is the buyer pool going to shrink in 2017? I think that what they're able to afford is going to shrink. But the pool of people will not. They're still going to be there, right? The buyers will still be there Okay, let's go back to the dynamics of who is our buyer. Let him finish his sentence, hon. Who's our buyer, Professor? Well, I I mean, if if you're looking, for example, at first-time home buyers, they're going to be be frightened uh, when they see that their buying uh, buying power has has dropped. And so... The, the the challenge today is not to be afraid of where we are today, but to keep in mind that the expectation is that interest rates are much more likely to continue to go up Correct. in 2017. They're not going to get down, go down, so it's not going to get better. Exactly. So you may have to change your sights in terms of what you're able to afford and what you can buy, uh, but it isn't going to get any better for you, you know, by waiting. Even though you're frightened by the fact that you know you're what you can afford. Uh, uh, has 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 
been reduced. Right. So I, I think it, it, you have to understand the dynamics of this type of buyer. The first-time buyer, which actually did drop versus year ago um, in 2016. So 2017, because of the type of buyers that we're looking at, at these first-time buyers, instant gratification, we want it all. We want the Taj Mahal for a very creative budget. So, no, darling. So like you said- it's student it's, loan debt. A lot of that has to do with a lot of the student loan debt. And I'll talk on I behalf of the millennials that. because I feel like I'm a millennial <laughs> and I hate all the millennial bashing all the time. <laughs> Or instant gratification, <laughs> or anything like that. No, I'm it's just sorry. we like to ask more questions. Maybe no, we're just not like as gullible as our parents were, or anything like that. We do like to ask more you questions more. to certain people. Get you know irritated with that, but I think that the first time home buyer pool didn't specifically shrink. Um, you know, just because millennials want it all, and there's you know the market is just there's not obtainable. There's statistical data that prove that the number of drop of first. It's become buyers. more difficult in the last year, and Nick no can attest to this because he's in the lending side. We've had to be able to calculate the ability to repay. So before, if a millennial or you know first-time home buyer had 150, 160 thousand in student loan debt that was still in deferment, we didn't count that. As long as the deferment was over 12 months, we didn't count that in their debt-to-income ratios. Right. So about 12, 16 months ago, guidelines changed. We had to take all of that debt into consideration. Right. That guideline change in itself probably eliminated about 30 to 40 percent of the home buying pool because a lot of these millennials are coming out of college with over 80 to 150 thousand dollars in debt. And that's the message that we need to convey today. That's a lot of debt. It's that's a, a mortgage of, these yeah. kids are coming out of college with. Really nice car. In certain cases, some of them didn't have mom and dad to be able to help them right. with or that. Co-signing. So they had to finance it themselves. Or sometimes they just don't want that uh, that what, that help, right, because of the lifestyle and that mentality. So I think this is one of the key messages if we educate and elevate your real estate IQ at all this morning. It's to understand that how is it going to affect your the lending side, right, the budget, the, the, the creative budget now that interest rates are going to increase um, and how it is that you guys are are processing or packaging these deals in order for your lenders to be able to lend on it absolutely well let me jump in because we just had some news that came out the the lending you know before we actually started the show me and Charles met downstairs and kind of went over our opinions of things and um, and we, we went in the, down history lane a little bit you know back in 2002 three right post 9-11 so end of 01 two three we had a situation where the rates kept dropping and there was a refi boom and the market really started to get used to making this kind of money in the mortgage markets. Mortgage-backed securities were very popular, the whole nine yards. And then when the boom was over and everybody pretty much took advantage of getting that final rate that made them happy, the mortgage markets kind of froze up a little bit. There wasn't any excitement other than maybe somebody buying a house. So they went off and created all these programs that were a little too loose. We are walking into an era here where we have a pro real estate president. I mean, let's face it, he made all his money in real estate. That's what right. he believes in clearly right. more than right. anything else. We're also pro deregulation and I think products will improve over the next year and make it easier for people. So I think there will be potentially a higher pool of potential buyers or people that want to get in. But FHA has already moved in the direction of anticipating rate increases. Rates have gone up since the election, and rates right. are anticipated to still go up. But FHA is known as that the, the, the true help to the first-time homebuyer or people that don't have the ideal situations in life. And they have just now, literally, 
Two days ago, Javier, reduced the MI mortgage insurance. Two days ago, they issued, uh, I believe it's going to go into effect on the 27th. So talk about a very convenient, convenient move here. The rates have gone up a little bit, but FHA has reduced the mortgage insurance. Right. That's almost a wash. Exactly. It, it could be a wash, depending on what that rate is, where we were talking about losing that ten or $15,000 if you were really planning to get in your first property. You just might have made it if you had to do an FHA loan to begin with. Right. You made up for the difference. So they, they offset some of their mortgage insurance. And they, uh, even though rates are going up, you know, there's, I, I don't so think the buyer So that's your recommendation gonna, for your buyers today is to, to my, look into the FHA loan program, which is well, very healthy and, and, and a good It's product. an example. It's not, no, because if you're buying in Chicago, FHA It's all about scenario. Like, if, really you're not, if you're not that atypical, I always say conventional is really for that person who has that 20% down payment, you know, 740 FICO scores. I really think that it's that A++ for you to get to the sweet spot to get the best rate available, to get the best terms possible, you really have to be in that sweet spot. With this term reduction, this annual mortgage insurance reduction that FHA just issued, it's making FHA a more attractable option if you're doing the 5% down payment. The one thing I think that we're going to have to clear a hurdle with, which is in your in your field, in your industry, mm-hmm. is that a lot of the times there's this fear that the property is not going to pass an FHA inspection. Well, it just depends on the t- on the product, right? If we're looking at condos, it just makes it so difficult to transact. Condos because, in specific, you, know, you have to have the association approved. And in a lot of the cases, there's not a lot of variances what makes a warrantable condo for Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, a variance with FHA. It's FHA just additional paperwork that yeah. they have to file. The association has to follow up. So let's dumb it down a little bit, though. Just for those of you who are listening and don't understand, FHA for condo, it means that the association has to have at least 10% of their operating budget in a reserves account. And, of course, there is a number of percentage of renters versus owners. And of and then, of course, when you're looking at the single-family category or two flats, it's conditioned, even in condos, right? No chipping paints, nothing that can be a hazard or a safety ha- uh, hazard, correct? Correct. And so that's why for us as realtors, it's hard to find properties. And when you're looking at deals, short sales and foreclosures, not that there's many, but those t- are typically the ones that are going to have better values per se. Those are, are not, they, they don't qualify for an FHA loan program because of its condition. Wrapping up this segment, Charles Wurzbach is going to give us a final wrap on what we just <laughs> said. Good time, bad time, buy with caution. I, I think it's a good time to buy. Uh, I think interest rates are going to continue to rise, uh, and I think that that's going to, you know, create a, a, a barrier to entry and add add difficulty, particularly for first time homebuyers. I love you. I should get a ringer that says <laughs> "Buy now, sell now," and I like it. <laughs> I, I'm in agreement here. Buy, buy now before it gets out of control. It's always a good time to buy. You're listening to Market Overdrive. We'll be back in a few minutes. Obviously, you can watch us live on Facebook or go to our website, marketoverdrive.com. Next week, we actually start a brand new website platform where you'll be able to interact with us and tell us how good Carla Mina's doing, myself, Javier, and, of course, our guests, what you heard that you liked, didn't like. You can oh, do it real nice. time with us. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Done by our friends at Reaction Stream. We will be back in a few minutes. social media but exclusively please visit and log on and subscribe to www.marketoverdrive.com and of course our youtube channel and this is kind of like my farewell to all my facebook friends i hope that you do follow us at www.marketoverdrive.com because that's where you're going to find us every wednesday at 10 a.m and every wednesday we sequester top 
industry professionals to elevate your real estate IQ. Today's topic is very timely. We'd like to ca- uh, talk about you know market trends and newsworthy information because we want to explain it to you from the transacting side of it. Obviously, we're all professionals. We have lenders. Um, I'm a realtor, and of course, we have a professor from DePaul here in the studio to- today to educate us on like the market outlook, economics. How does it affect all these increases in rates that you're seeing in the news? And of course. Um, it's first quarter market, spring market, so we always advise you to sell, sell, sell at this time. So, again, it's all about timing, right? Uh, Nick is saying get rid of everything, and I'm saying lean on your professionals to guide you through your own individual plan. Sell it. <laughs> you know what WGN stands for, right? What? We gone now. <laughs> sell it. It is our last segment, so why don't we go a- across the room and tell us, Javi, what is, uh, what is the big takeaway? What is your greatest advice for our listeners today? I think the big takeaway is look at 2017. Regardless of where interest rates are heading, there's always going to be an opportunity. Um, being a homeowner is definitely better than being a renter. Um, so always try to get yourself into a home as much as you can. Um, if you're not ready for it now, find out why you're not ready. I always make sure to you got to give yourself an answer as to why you're not doing something. Um, so just kind of get a plan of action, you know, for yourself ready. Um, it's a good time to buy at any point in time. Right now with rates, I got into the industry, you know, 12 years ago. Rates were at 6.5%, 7% back then. So for me, a 4.5% is still a reasonable interest rate. It's an amazing It's rate. not a lot of deviation. And quite frankly, if $80 increase in your mortgage payment is going to be the make or break option of you not purchasing a home, you might not be ready to buy a home. Just cut off HBO and some other stuff you don't really need. <laughs> so, man. you know, it's Make all about it the needs and wants. It's kind of like I always kind of talk about it. one of the things that's very, there's two aspects in people's lives where they save money saving money for their wedding and saving money for their home. And they always figure out a way to budget crunch to be able to make those allocations and be able to save that money to make those things happen. So, you know, just set a plan. Put a plan into action. I agree. Professor? Well, I think the point that was just made about interest rates is really a good takeaway. And that is even though we anticipate that interest rates are going to rise a little bit more in 2017, and that will cause your monthly payments to go up for borrowing the same dollar amount, so it does create a bit of a barrier to entry, that interest the interest rate level is still in the area of all-time lows. It's insane. It's still very, very attractive. It's right. still you know, cheap. You know, I think is the way that uh, you know I would say it. So, so keep that in mind, and and I think that you know going forward that people have to realize that, well, you know, you're not going to necessarily make ten, twelve percent per year, uh, and and on average over a long period of time, that's not how you know values work. Right. You know, it's a much slower rate, uh, more uh, you know typically involved in the growth uh, related to the growth in GDP, which is if it's two and a half or three percent, you're pretty happy. So I think that that's the, the the main takeaway. The other thing I'd say is that with a you know a new administration coming in and a Congress that's con- controlled by the Republicans, we really do have to pay, pay attention and be aware of directions that they're going. And does the administration uh, follow the, the the types of recommendations in terms of the uh, campaigning that uh, uh, President Trump did, uh, and how does that sync with the Congress? Right. And I think, well, for example, when we look at health care, there's going to be a, you know, there's, there's going to be a very, very interesting outcome. Don't know what it's going to be, uh-huh. but it'll be very, very interesting. Don't even get can, started on health care. <laughs> can I ask you a question? And if you don't know it off the top of your head, just try and do your best to, if you've seen something like this. But what is the average time a homeowner is in their loan? Or 
keeps a property before they well, sell it. it. A it, homeowner. Yeah, it, a, a it, it varies, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit, but between 8 and 12 years. Okay, 8 and 12 years. Yeah, between 8 and 12. On average. So, so there will be average. people less than that, people more than that, and it will change by market around the, uh, you know, around the United States. But 8 to eight to 12. And you know, the, the reason that you, you know, are you, the statistics that you look at have to do with payoffs. When the mortgages are paid off, because that's typically when there's there's a move. Okay. We've read, I've read, maybe Javier has seen the same thing. Seven and a half is the average time an existing loan stays before it's turned over for whatever reason whatsoever. Maybe it was refinanced, maybe it was sold. That loan, seven years is our window before it's gone. If the thirty-year fix is what you've always had your heart set on, you might want to stare. And, and the rates have gone up a little bit. You might want to just. Start considering doing, if you're really down to that penny, doing a seven-year arm if it was all about you can't qualify over a four-and-a-quarter interest rate. But a seven-year arm could put you back at the 3.8 that you were once gauging your numbers off of. So it's just an option. I'm not saying everybody should run out there and do seven-year arms, but there's this big panic and fear about doing adjustable rate mortgage. You just gave me an interesting statistic about the average time before someone sells a property or is still in a property. I just gave you a statistic, which is a fact. Before someone usually turns a mortgage over for whatever so reason. So you're saying that if someone's looking at if you're if priced you're, out because their budget is so creative, you might want to look at these seven-year arms. There are other options if rates do go up that high. But I think we can all look back at some history. 1981, I think it was 80 or 81. What mm-hmm. were rates on 30-year fixed back then? 16 percent. I was going to say 15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. So if you're complaining about the 3.5 going to four and a quarter, <laughs> which might go all the way up to five, <laughs> go talk to your grandparents about what that was like back in the day, and that was actually the birth of the adjustable rate mortgage in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, because people couldn't afford a house with the 30-year fixes. So well, that's, maybe that's a mystery. A, you're not going to yeah. stay for 30 years. My recommendation, obviously, um, is it's, it's more of a personal, right? It's more about, like, lifestyle. Um, when I graduated college, I bought a property, and it seriously became, like, and we talked about this last segment or last week about your only savings investment, like having a product that's going to mandate that you save because you're putting money away and you're building equity. Um, because of the two flat that I've bought, I was seriously making more money than working at Leo Burnett, don't tell anyone that, in marketing. Um, so I was able to offset my income by getting rental income and so I've always been an advocate of being a landlord or being an owner I don't believe in building wealth for somebody else I don't work for anybody else I work for myself so I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit so I know a lot of people complain about the jobs that they have the money that they're making so my I advocate for long-term wealth build wealth for yourself and being a property owner and just you know not paying your landlord any money that's what I'm recommending based on my own personal experiences so if you want to invest in real estate, it is the best time to do it despite the interest rates increases. It's the right time. is always the present time because then you'll complain about pricing increases and interest rate increases. Well. Preach, Mom. I think it's over. <laughs> it's over? I think it was a great it's show. It's WGN. WGN Radio. Um, as my mom would say, she gave it a new acronym. It's way to go, Nick. Oh, come uh, on. Oh, no, she's I love how the I world wanna... revolves around him all oh, the time. God. Come on, man. It was perfect. Wait, <laughs> it was perfect. Do we, have, do we have time to do a shout-out to this my is, Nicolas? This, we do. Go it's ahead. It's my do son's it. 11th birthday today. I'm oh, a prom nice. mom. Yes, so I'm very proud of him. Hockey player, great kid, student of the month. I'm going to cry now. It's his birthday. 11 years has made me the Happy happiest birthday, woman. Happy birthday, Nicolas yes. with a K. Nicolas. I wanna, 
I want to wrap this bad boy up because we got to go and actually get on the field and do some work here. I want to obviously thank Javier Garcia for coming in to deal with mine and Carla's madness as usual. And, of <laughs> course, our special guest today, Charles Wurzbach from De- DePaul University. Uh, your information was very good and very helpful. And hopefully, uh, if you missed the show, you're more than welcome to go to our YouTube channel where they will be there, archived, cataloged, and, of course, our website will be the way to get a hold of us and watch us live from here on out, 10 a.m. every Wednesday, www, I said it like an old person now, marketoverdrive.com, where you can interact, react with us. Go to our podcast, WGN Radio, and subscribe to us or our YouTube channel at Market Overdrive, and hopefully we'll have some good stuff for you next week. Thank you. Definitely have some good Peace stuff out. Next week. <laughs> way to go, Nick.